Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hi, I'm Kara, and I'm a member of the Fade to Gray Patreon. I'd like to talk to you about an easy and affordable way to get your finances in order. Ryan from BoundlessFinancialSolutions.com can help you set up a budget, learn how to invest your money, and even help you understand retirement. And they don't just work with the individual, they work with businesses and nonprofits as well. What's awesome is they won't ever cold call you or spam your email. You tell them your needs, hopes, and dreams, and they'll provide you with their best options at your convenience. Listeners of Fade to Gray can call 413-977-9967 and ask for Brian. Or you can email him directly at brian at bfs-team.com and mention the podcast to receive a free consultation. That's hundreds of dollars in value. Services are available where licensed. Look, you have no excuse not to get your finances in order. Visit BoundlessFinancialSolutions.com and let them remove your financial fears. Ladies and idiots. This is the Fade to Gray Podcast. Everything will be aces. Let's get faded, guys. Hell yeah. He has many, and I mean many, leather-bound books on shelves made of rich mahogany. Now you've heard of gay conversion therapy. Well, this is gray conversion therapy. I think you're going to like it. I'm not braver than you. I'm just drunker than you. And you're fabulous. You deserve to be called you're fabulous. What do you think about the podcast? It sucks. Nice. Hey, Fade to Grey listeners, this is Chris, and today on the roundtable, we've got Omar, Renee, and Andy, and we're talking to Claudia Carbayal, who is a substance abuse prevention specialist, a certified yoga teacher, and a certified Ayurveda. Am I saying that right, Claudia? Yeah. Ayurveda? That's correct. Ayurveda wellness counselor and life coach. So let's go ahead and give it up for Claudia. Yeah, welcome, welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everybody. So Claudia and I met because she actually comes to my school and talks to my students about uh, the dangers of drug use, tobacco use. Um, Also, uh, I believe you've done one on suicide prevention before, right? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yes. So, so you guys, you, you work for a company called Mosaic and that company basically is a nonprofit that goes around and educates kids about these things. So can you tell me a little bit about how you got into that? That's the new dare program then, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's the millennial dare. (laughs) Oh, I see Omar all with uh, the jacket. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's cold down in my basement about halfway through the interview. So this this way I'm not shaking. He's in Pennsylvania. So he's, he's got tons of snow. Great. It's snowing right now, actually. <laughs> okay, so you guys are in different states, right? Oh, yeah. Or, yeah, that's great. Andy's in California. Renee's in uh, Germany, I believe. And, uh, <laughs> oh, <damn yeah>. it, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> no, he's in the Netherlands. Uh, yeah, Renee's from Eindhoven, Netherlands. I'll go ahead and let him. Let, I'll say it so he doesn't have to because he loves saying it. Yeah. And then Omar, of course, is uh, up there in Pennsylvania. Great. Yeah, and oh. you and I are in Texas, so. Yes, we are in Dallas. Okay, so to answer your question, Chris, uh, first of all, thanks so much for having me on your podcast. Uh, very interesting conversations. I heard, listened to a few of them. Oh, yeah. cool. So Which ones did you listen to? Yeah. I, I listened to several, but you sent me, I think, one, and then from there I listened to others. And okay. One of the, uh, a lady was also included. Yeah. She's not here. Yeah, no very interesting. I like the open, flexible conversations. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So how did I get to uh, Mosaic? Okay. Mosaic Family Services is a nonprofit in Dallas, and we uh, help survivors of domestic violence and human trafficking primarily. So uh, they have legal services, counseling services, and uh, social services. You know, they have case managers handling every individual's case, whatever they need. We have refugees, immigrants, and non-immigrants. We also serve uh, local community. So it's very intense, very emotional. I don't uh, personally work directly with clients of domestic violence or human trafficking. I work in a little segment. It's a, a department of four people, and we are substance abuse prevention specialists. 
So what we do is uh, we are uh, in training for a whole year at the beginning of, of the, the training to learn about the brain addiction, substance abuse, and how prevention works and how do we measure that. So it's very science-based, evidence-based program. And, and I love health and wellness, as you know, so it goes hand in hand with that. Yeah. And so you say you work with people who are human, uh, you said human traffic victims. So would you say that there's a big problem with that in the Dallas area? Because that's something that you wouldn't really think, uh, you know, most people probably wouldn't even think about day to day that there's people being trafficked in their in their hometown. Is that something that's actually like a, a pretty big problem? Oh, for sure. Yeah, you are. You you nail it. Uh, it's not only a problem in Dallas, it's a global problem. And it, some people think it's, it's increasing, some people think it's not increasing. Uh, the way they measure this at an international scale varies. So, uh, but we have a lot of studies, institutions devoted to measuring all these human trafficking uh, uh, problems. And of course it is a big problem. And, and uh, most people think not in my town, right? Like here it doesn't happen, yeah. we don't see it. So most of us are not uh, trained to recognize the signs of human trafficking uh, when somebody is being trafficked. So it's not necessarily the posture that we see of the woman in chains, you know, like being taken against her will for sex trafficking. Uh, human trafficking can happen in so many levels, uh, like labor, you know, uh, workers, they are taken uh, with false promises, you know, so there's a lot of manipulation, deceiveness, and they, uh, they end up uh, from other countries coming here or inside the United States to work for factories, uh, restaurants, washing dishes, uh, you name it, hotels, and they are not paid and they are treated very badly. Wow. Or, or they, yeah. are paid, they are paid a miserable amount, like placebo, like a I call it. Right. Like a modern day indentured servant kind of. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why in the human trafficking uh, world, we call it modern slavery because that's yeah. what it is. And unfortunately, it still happens. Uh, it's 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 happening everywhere in the world. Yeah. I just was wondering, where does an addiction specialist come in with human trafficking? Uh, what, what What do you do with human trafficking victims specifically? Where do you come in on that? Yeah, Andy, good question. Uh, like I said, I don't work directly with the victims uh, or survivors, we prefer to call them uh, because they have been through okay. a lot and they are surviving it, right? But uh, it's related because uh, drugs and addiction are linked to crime, not necessarily, but there is a big portion of uh, addiction, substance abuse, and crime, including violence, right? We know that a lot of people who drink and are addicted to drinking, they go to an unconscious state of mind and they become very violent, very aggressive. Uh, the majority, unfortunately, of these uh, people are men uh, because it's more socially acceptable, right, for men to drink or use drugs. And they then go into these states of unconsciousness where they become violent. And human trafficking, it's, well, it's linked to drugs in a way. But but not directly necessarily. So, okay. And do you have the numbers on the amount of uh, you know people that are being human uh, traffic traffic survivors? Um, I don't really have the latest numbers. Uh, I think you can go to uh, any human trafficking website, e even to our website, and you can get the numbers there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, how what what are the signs? Because you mentioned that there are the signs, you know, of, that someone is being trafficked. What are those signs so that you know if anyone sees something weird, they can you know maybe help somebody out? Yes, of course. Um, some of the signs is, uh, let's say, for example, a woman is being trafficking is the most common example, right? Men are also trafficking, like I said, uh, for sex or labor. But let's take the example of a woman. Uh, you will see uh, there is not a lot of uh, her voice been heard, uh, let's say in public. Uh, usually they are looking down. They are accompanied with a man. You can tell it's not an equal relationship, like some uh, unbalance of power is going on there. But you, you can really see it when you know that it could happen and you pay attention to the interaction, right? And uh, sometimes it could be... Um, I don't know, also the signs of where human trafficking is occurring, right? Like, let's say in Dallas, there have been several 
police raids to all these massage parlors. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. I think there was an article recently on the on the news on uh, this big uh, police raid that they did, and you you notice that the 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 outside of these stores are suspicious, right? It says massage parlor. They are in very bad condition. They are very dark. The windows are covered. So once you have it in your mind that this is how they may look, you just it, it just pop up to you, right? So that's how the police are trained. Actually, uh, our human trafficking director has been to the police uh, several times to train them on how to spot it. Yeah. So these are sometimes in the basement. You know, they have girls there. They are literally slaves. They can't get out. They are drugged. So that's the link between drugs and human trafficking right there. Uh, because sometimes they want to get out and they try to escape. So they drug them to be there in these basements on, on the back of shops, on the street, in our streets. I think right. Houston is one of the main human trafficking for sex. Uh, you said Houston? Houston, in Texas. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's right there, you know, on the uh, the Gulf. So it's got easy access to, you know, wherever. So, wow, that's exactly. crazy. Exactly. It has access through... Uh, ports of entry for international human trafficking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's absolutely devastating to hear uh, that, you know, people are still having to go through stuff like that or that there's, you know, even an issue today. I think it's encouraging to hear people working towards, you know, finding solutions. And I think your organization sounds great. Like, um, yeah, when you were describing the signs, I think it was important to notice or point out because it almost sounds like if it's in a relationship, there's also signs of like maybe domestic violence sort of situations too, with like the eye contact and like the looking down, not being able to have a voice. But um, it sounds yeah. like you were probably even more referring to like maybe places of business you might go to, like restaurants or different places where the, the workers themselves may be like, like responding to you that way. And that could be a huge red flag. So, So thanks for pointing that out. Sure. Yeah. And it's, uh, we have uh, some post-its that said uh, need help and an emergency phone number anonymous. And sometimes uh, we put them on the restrooms for women inside the doors. We stick them there. And, you know, usually women, even if they're being trafficked, they have to go to the bathroom eventually, right? Public restrooms. So they go alone. And sometimes the pimps wait outside all the time, right? To keep an eye on them. And that's where the women can see it. And we actually get phone calls sometimes from, from these. So it's, it's, uh, it's incredible to be able to help. Yeah. Wow. I, I do that have a question really and then we can, we can maybe move on from this. I was wondering, does your organization or a sector of your organization offer training to spot some of this stuff? Or are you involved in the community givings like free Saturday stuff? Like here's how to spot trafficking. Is, is that a thing that you do? Cause I live near Sacramento and Sacramento is a huge, hub for that. And that's, I know, I know they offer that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a, a director and two members, a case managers, and they all go and train everywhere they needed them. So if you, anybody can call, um, we'll say family services, go online, call, and they will go and train. Yeah. Everybody. Right on. Thank you very okay. much. And yeah. so Chris, basically next time you go to your massage therapist or whatever massage parlor that you'd call it. I, I know you said your last one got shut down so just make sure that they're making eye contact with you and are, shut down you know, just <laughs> sorry for that yeah go ahead andy well no, i was it... wondering i was wondering with the with the hot topic of of marijuana these days i, I i'm wondering do you in the position that you're in i know you're in a difficult one to answer this but do you think that if it was legalized federally, you would see a lot of decrease in in drug slash human trafficking? Would would we see a decrease in that at all, in your opinion? Well, your personal I personally, opinion. I, I know you want to separate work. <laughs> yes, let's let's separate. No, they they actually go hand in hand uh, for the most part. Uh, personal opinion is uh, I think people are going to do drugs anyway, if it's legalized or not legalized. It's, it's a personal decision, it's a lifestyle. Uh, that's why I like what I do because it's prevention. So what we do is we we don't try to make uh, people's opinion, we don't, we don't try to change 
people's opinion, persuading them, like we're in a mission, right? We, we simply bring these tools with this evidence-based research information. This is what research says. This is the dangers of addiction. And we talk a little about legalization or not. So I personally don't think uh, being authoritarian and having the government come in and prohibit everything is going to prevent people from using drugs. However, when, when we say legalize, a lot of people misunderstand the term legalization, right? So legalization, as you guys know, is not uh, prohibiting the use of drugs, it's simply, simply controlling it, which can be a good thing, like we see with marijuana, right? Marijuana is very controversial because there are a lot of studies that say it is addictive, highly addictive. That's why it's in this Schedule A for uh, the uh, Drug Enforcement Administration. So Schedule A contains the most dangerous drugs in terms of addiction potential and the minimum amount of benefit for, for the human body. So we have uh, a lot of drugs like uh, cocaine, uh, crack, marijuana, alcohol, tobacco, they are all in a Schedule A. So they have zero benefits, medicinal, and uh, the highest potential for, for addiction. But I know where you're going to think, right? Like medicinal marijuana. So marijuana, it pr well, probably- Well, we used to use a lot of those substances 100 years ago in apothecaries. So it's just, it's, it's, we, we have changed our tune, you know, on a lot of that stuff. A lot of those were used as, you know, even Volume or whatever, it, jamming it in someone's leg in, in Vietnam. Codeine uh, we used still to use a lot of that stuff well. routinely. Yeah. yeah. Codeine still so being it, used it, and prescribed heavily. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, Andy, right? Yep. So yeah, legalizing is actually controlling it, stipulating who can have it when and where. So let's say, if I may just mention this, let, let's take an example of Colorado right now we really don't know the effects that legalizing marijuana is going to have in 50 years. We don't know the effects at, at a communal level, societal level, right? Uh, some people think it's a mess. Some people think it's good. I, I don't know, but legalizing marijuana doesn't mean, because when I go to schools, why, right, Chris, uh, they invite me to talk to the teens. They think legalizing is allowing everybody to smoke marijuana. So what it is, is, uh, you need a prescription from a doctor for medicinal purpose, and you have to be 18 years old or older, and you cannot be smoking on the street. You have to do it at home. It's for medicinal. So it's control, unless it's recreational use, right? Yeah, the, the recreational use uh, in the Netherlands has been going on for quite some time. Uh, of course, Amsterdam is famous for that. Um, um, I must say, I, I, see, I see it happening a lot at, at high schools. and. Uh, but like when guys or when people turn mid-20s they often stop they don't find it interesting anymore so that's that's what's happening here actually it's not like yeah it's more like when you go to a festival or a concert you always smell it like oh some people are smoking weed and, but it's a lot of there's a lot of some people hate it some people do it occasionally and yeah you got the the, the people who smoke it all the t all the time but there's not that many, actually, uh, at least in my experience. So really, I don't know how, how long it is legal here, actually. I think it's, it's close to 50 years already, 10, mm -hmm. 40, maybe 40 years or something. Yeah. You're saying probably mostly it's like tourism that comes through the Netherlands, uh, like people who come there just to smoke marijuana. Of course, they probably don't do that anymore now that Colorado has it legalized. It's it's easier to fly there to smoke yeah. than it would be to go to the Netherlands to do it legally. So I, uh, I imagine the economy may be maybe even hurting a little bit over there in the Netherlands since they've uh, legalized it recreationally in a few states. But um, I don't, I so don't it, think so. You don't think but, so? No, man. It's the old experience of going to Amsterdam. I think that's that's what the tourists like. Go so, to a coffee shop. Yeah, go to a coffee shop and see Amsterdam. And I don't know. Americans somehow love Amsterdam. Uh, well, the train to Eindhoven is way better than Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Uh, so, so Claudia, I, I would like to know, like, I don't know if you want to divulge this information on the podcast, but have you ever had a personal experience, um, using drugs recreationally? 
Yes, and uh, teens at schools ask me that question all the time, right? They, they ask me, mm-hmm. uh, Miss, have you smoked marijuana? You know, and yes, I have. Um, probably I shouldn't tell them yes, because sometimes teens think, um, okay, so you smoke, but you're okay. You look great, right? You look fine. So they tend to think that, but I explain, right? And I tried it maybe four times in my entire life, and I'm in my 40s. So that's not a significant amount. Uh, it was curiosity, but I think it's important to talk openly with teens, you know, not lie yeah. to them. And it opens the conversation. Of course, they know that I probably tried it or they suspect, right? And I think it's better to have the open conversation of, uh, yeah, I tried it. It didn't do anything for me, really. And then I got a very healthy lifestyle and I don't need it and I don't want it. I don't want to depend on a substance to feel good. And then there is a whole spiritual aspect of these that I love, which is when I when it comes my yoga and Ayurveda training. Uh, but that's a whole other subject, right? I don't know if you want to go there, but. Yeah, let's get into it. Okay, yeah. right. So. Absolutely. So let me just say this and then you can go from there if you want to know more. But I usually tell, you know, teens and parents, right? I speak to anybody. I can go to corporations, companies, schools, uh, organizations, community centers. And I tell, I want to be truthful, right? So if they ask me, have you a smoke? I said, yes, uh, four or five times in my entire life. And the spiritual side of this is that, I think, well, we yoginis in the community, right? The the yoga culture, the more spiritually evolved somebody is, the less you need external things to make you feel better, right? So that's the whole point of drug abuse prevention, right? Like if you decide to use drugs, it's your personal decision, right? But in my opinion, personal and professional, the less external things we need to be happy, the more evolved we are, right? Now, on the other hand, we know that some uh, indigenous cultures, shamans, uh, Hindu spiritual teachers, they have used drugs for spiritual trips, right? And this is another entire complex subject, right? But they used it for that purpose alone, right? For a spiritual awareness, for opening some pathways in the brain. The brain is incredibly complicated and sensitive to drugs, incredibly. And they use it wisely, right? For to making, to doing trips, right? With mushrooms or the famous, um, how do you call it? The- uh, DMT. Yes. And also, yeah, hallucinogenous and uh, ayahuasca. 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 Yeah. It's a, it's a tea that they make particularly in South America, Mexico, some parts of Mexico, Central America. And it's very famous for the shamanic rituals from the shamans, which are healers, to use it to help people open pathways, brain pathways, and reach certain spiritual levels, communicate with the universe, right? But I think that's one thing to use it responsibly or Curios, curiosity-wise, experimentally, a few times for a purpose. But in our society, we're using drugs to escape ourselves, our pain, right? Our depression, our anxiety, instead of working with where is this coming from and do I have these resources in my soul, my spirit inside of me to, to overcome it? And yes, we have them. And that's the whole spiritual aspect of it, the yogi aspect. So have you ever had a personal experience with one of these like ayahuasca or uh, mushroom trips or I anything in, like in your, right. <laughs> yeah. Because you, you're into Eastern philosophy, medicine and all that stuff. Have you experienced any of that? No, I have not. Um, okay. I am curious, right. But I am very scared, scared, you know, to be out of control. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, Maybe I will do it just to see what it is. Uh, so sure. I am a very better professional, better healthcare uh, coach, maybe, right? And so do some people, research. <laughs> yeah, research, <laughs> yeah, research field. So I have known friends who have done it and they had very positive experiences. They see okay. ayahuasca, for example. They see, um, are you okay? Can you hear me? Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was trying to get Omar's attention. <laughs> oh, 
this is, this is yeah. his topic. <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've, we've talked a lot about this and we've, we've shared some experiences our, ourselves and, uh, uh, I would like you to finish, but we'll also maybe dive some deep into, uh, some oh, positive sure. experiences will... we had too. Where was I? Well, you were just saying you had some friends. Oh yeah. Friends that had very positive experiences with ayahuasca, uh, in, in Southern Mexico, uh, and friends that had horrible experiences like losing it, screaming, yelling, hitting themselves, crying frantically. And that is related to your state of consciousness, right? So whatever you have inside of you, your, your level of evolution, your, your spiritual level of evolution, or your level of spiritual evolution, your consciousness, you're going to have different trips, different results. So it has to be done very, very carefully, very carefully. And would you say that those screaming, kind of angry, if you would just had to, you know, use a word to describe it or intense, maybe, I guess you could use that word. Yeah. Would you say that those are negative? Because I tend to think that they're actually equally as positive. You're getting out a lot of that, whatever's deep in there, deep seated anger, stuff from the past. Would, would you would you say that's also a, a beneficial experience as well? Yeah, that's a good point. It could be, absolutely, it could be beneficial if they are getting that out of themselves, right? But in my opinion, it's not that simple, right? When you have deep-seated trauma, pain, uh, deep issues seated, they are not gonna be resolved just with taking a tea and, and screaming and yelling, right? I think that's more a reaction instead of processing it internally, right? Mm -hmm. And there are so many ways you can process it. Yeah, you can go to therapy. It can maybe can be the catalyst to future therapy or something, a, a, a realization yeah. of, oh my gosh, I've had these problems. Now I need to solve them with, my, with tools. Yeah, of course. And for some people can be very traumatic to have that experience if they can remember it, right? And, and then they are more confused. And it also can be dangerous because they can hurt themselves physically or even emotionally, right? If you don't have a, a healer or shaman that knows what they're doing and they can get you out of that safely, because a lot of people are doing it like ayahuasca trips to Mexico and they don't even know what that is. So dangerous. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a fad, yeah. I think uh, with the prevalence of you know Joe Rogan and stuff like that, not that he's encouraging people to do that, but I think people get so yeah. curious that they're like, I'm gonna go down there and just do it. And people just show up kind of like Firefest. Um, but you, you just kind of show up and it's like, yeah, I'm here for the ayahuasca. And they're like, what yeah. are you? What? What's going on here? Well, it's yeah. interesting now because some of the medical community is really getting behind uh, with like PTSD and depression. And like you said, some trauma therapy with like some of the mushrooms or I've even heard like low doses of LSD and also like um, ecstasy. Um, but whenever yeah. that's done, it's normally in the pro in like you have at least one, normally two therapists with you, you know, that you trust and have already like kind of like walked you through like what to expect and, and kind of how that unlocks and walks you through some of the past things you've experienced and can kind of relive them and see them from a different angle. So like you can, you can move on from that. So I've, I've heard a lot of really good benefits. Like personally, like I definitely like to dabble when I was younger. I did a lot more of it, had both good and negative experiences. Um, a lot of my spirituality from my youth kind of probably saved me uh, from going like completely like insane, like in some of the instances, just having like a center, you know, kind of like what like you said, like like a shaman or like a person to remind you, hey, you, you are okay, you took this drug in like, you know, six hours or so, you're gonna like be normal again, you know, like you're going yeah. through these things, it's, it's just kind of part of the whole thing. So, I mean, I think, it's, there's definitely the education never jump into something without like doing a lot of research talking to people who had the experiences in like i would never i think it's a beneficial for pretty much anybody to do i don't maybe like once but but only in a safe environment i would never encourage people to just go out there and to like a local drug dealer looking for like some like mushroom chocolates and thinking no this is gonna be a really good time because it could really yeah end, end badly for you um, Claudia, have you had an experience sure. while doing yoga, kind of like people have described as hallucinogenic? Out of body or something? Yeah, have you had an experience like that through yoga, what you do? Like an out-of-body experience? 
Yeah, kind of uh, just seeing, you know, how when you close your eyes, you see shapes and colors and all that sort of stuff. I know that some friends say when they do yoga or certain stretches or whatever, that is like taking a drug to them. So have you had an experience like that? No, not exactly like that. Yeah, no. Uh, it takes time, you know, to really have uh, an effect of that level through yoga. Yeah, it, it is possible because... Actually, I didn't know until I started studying all of these and the brain and, and everything. Um, I took several classes on uh, psychology of addictions and a class on psychopharmacology. So I'm, I actually studied how drugs affect the brain and the nervous system and the brain. And so you learn a lot of uh, how the neurons in the brain communicate with each other, the neurotransmitters, uh, the chemicals in the brain. So uh in in the yoga culture they believe that when you achieve a certain level of practice and your body is at a certain level you can trigger those chemicals that make you feel happy and and good so it's like having a high yeah and you can actually anybody can get to that point with a little meditation right but but we are so used to be on the run and anxious and worry that it's so hard to shift to that meditation mentality, right? Yeah, that's where the dop yeah. the dopamines, yeah, the dopamines and endorphins yes. really kick in, and that's kind of yeah. like where the high comes in, where the addiction can even come in. I think that's where the studies have proven where marijuana has been addictive. It's not so much in the actual chemical of THC is addictive, but it's what it does with the dopamine levels in your head and the serotonin and stuff that kind of like eventually over long term use, like could possibly change the, that chemical balance to where you almost need that for the dopamine fix. And you, but you can chase that with anything, whether it be running exercise, like you said, yoga. Um, yeah. I thought it was absolutely, um, just to double back real yeah. quick. Cause, um, I wanted to yeah. say something about when Andy was asking about the whole trafficking and how that was involved with the, you know, like if possibly legalization of, of marijuana going across the border would make, even trafficking of the human traffic may be less. And I would say that that's very possible, especially because it's tied in with the drug cartels and all that different stuff, which makes it very interesting. And you and you were tying that into how like the legal like use of marijuana um, has now had some study behind it and how like it could possibly be beneficial, but not. It's still a Schedule C, I believe, or Class A is what you said as far as the- Schedule A. Yeah. Yeah. as far as the highly addictive with low benefits and but I think that's very interesting that marijuana would be in that but big pharma is still pushing like the all the opioids and codeine and the different stuff that is highly addictive that's like even like heroin type based type stuff that's getting people addicted to way harder stuff it's like it seems oh like, yeah seems like the benefits to that are so much lower compared to the risk that would be involved in something if we're talking about like just the marijuana usage and what it can do as far as with the pain, some of the, some of the same things me personally. Um, if you haven't noticed, I'm very ADHD. And so like uh, that it really <laughs> kind of centers me and helps me kind of like focus on one thing at a time. And like, if I don't like over medicate, but like just some medication of it does kind of like does help in some things. I'm not, I, I am, sure. uh, cannabis supporter but at the same time i do know that there are like downsides and needs to be a lot more education involved in particular so but omar yeah, yeah. would you say would you say that you are addicted to marijuana yeah i definitely would wow but i'd also say i'm, well, also would say I'm addicted to xbox so or sugar sure. or sugar so I, what's it, I, it doesn't bother me <laughs> It's it's actually funny because your wife says that she prefers you on marijuana as opposed oh, to off. I mean, it. I think it definitely makes me a much better person, like to be around and to like process information. Yeah. But I'm mean, I question it because I've been using it habitually now for like a decade or more, and and I wonder like who I was before that. Did I need it as much? So like I can like if I haven't smoked all day and I've been in a stressful environment, I can definitely be a lot more edgy and like my. my Cause I'm pretty blunt as it is kind of just say things as they come to my mind, if you haven't noticed, but like a lot of times, like when I'm stoned more or have been smoking, 
I, I'm a little more cautious of other people's feelings, how I might say something, a little bit more slow to speak. And, and so I think for, for me personally, it does make me a better human being, so. Good, Thank, thanks for sharing that, Omar. I, I just thought about something, if I may. Or Chris, do you have something to say? No, go for oh. it. Well, I just thought I, I, I have some radical ideas about all of this, right? And one of them is, uh, I don't know if you guys know, but I'm studying a master's in counseling. This is my last year. So we are we are trained to diagnose people with a specific uh, mental illness or mental issue, whatever it is. And since day one, when I started studying, I thought, why do you have to label people? I mean, I understand the technical side, right? Like, of course, you need to know what it is to treat it with A, B, and C, and D. And we have the manual, uh, the DSM-5, where you go and, oh, this is what my client has, and this is how we're going to treat it based on my theory. But I think also another spiritual component of all of this, right, is uh, we are, I think we are over-diagnosing, right, children with attention deficit disorder, yeah, uh, hyperactivity disorder, and just because they are different from what the norm should be, we are labeling people, right? Uh, and why is that necessarily bad? You know, like when Omar says, when I smoke pot, it makes me a very human being. But what's wrong with being different? What's wrong? Why cannot make room in our society for people who are different, who are hyper, who don't always have a filter, or who don't always say the right thing, right? Those are called comedians. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, assholes. I mean, <laughs> That's probably what I got. They don't always think about comedic genius. Yeah. <laughs> oh, of course, we have to live in a society and behave, right? But but you know my point, right? It's like, why do we yeah. have to? Like a lot of kids tell me, you know, when, when uh, we, I'm teaching them these life skills and substance abuse, they say, I am HD, ADHD and I am, I have, I am and anxious, depressive. So they, they possess the illness, right? Like this is who I am. Yeah. And they're defined by it. Yeah. And it's a little sad. Like we need to be more careful with that. Like, like maybe you can be off marijuana and be a great human being just working on yourself with other things. Yeah. I mean, there, and there's other different ways to get your focus than, I mean, it's, I think it's a great tool. I mean, there are see downsides but i don't see a whole lot of them like in my life in my lifestyle with, with what i do with work and as far as the balance that i have it seems to seems yeah. to be a good balance but like i wouldn't be opposed to to like like you said do some counseling do some other like other ways other activities so like just like sports again or i mean just being busy with the sure. podcast obviously like um anything in life you know, can keep you busy from having to like necessarily um self-medicate self-medicate or slow yourself down but at the same time like i i agree i think that society it's hard for like <laughs> for people to fit in and you feel like you need to um so i i agree with that yeah. point I, th I think that it'd be a lot easier just for to accept people the way they are so, my uh, keto diet yeah. helped me ideally what? did you say your keto diet helped you yeah i think so and it was noticed by other people too like uh, i am also diagnosed with ADHD. And um, I used to take medicine, but now that I'm on keto diet, my, my wife and people I hang around with say my focus is way better. And I think it's because I'm not taking sugar. Um, maybe, maybe that is, it. I don't know, but it works. Yeah. Claudia and I have actually talked about the sugar thing. So you, yeah. you also believe very strongly in diet, uh, controlling a lot of these things. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah, that's uh, the Ayurvedic component, right, that you mentioned. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, let me go first with what is Ayurveda, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So Ayurveda is an ancient system of medicine in India, and it's as old as 5,000 years old. Uh, it grew parallel with Chinese medicine, right? So Chinese medicine, Ayurveda is kind of the same. Uh, Ayurveda is mainly in India. And is the, the main system of medicine. So over there, you have Ayurvedic doctors that use herbs, plants, seeds to make medicine, which is how we make medicine in a lab, laboratory in, in the West. But we add other chemicals and we play with them. And it's like, like a more, it's more artificial. 
but it's de mm -hmm. derived from plants, right? And, and mm -hmm. we try to duplicate those chemicals into uh, artificial chemicals for the body have the same effect. So Ayurveda is having a great impact in the West now, like everybody's curious about it, you hear it more. And it's, yeah, I mean, diet obviously has a great impact on how you feel and how your mind works. It's the mind-body connection. It's true, right? It's definitely true. And sugar is a drug, right? So yes, uh, Chris, when I was- Wait a minute, wait a minute. Sugar can't be a drug. <laughs> it comes from nature. It's a, it grows from a, a sugar cane. Come it's on. Worse sure. than marijuana. It's a drug. <laughs> <laughs> it's highly addictive. There is a study that they did with lab rats where they put- uh, a bowl of cocaine and a bowl of sugar with the same consistency uh, and they let the rats go to one or the other and they were killing for the sugar like they became more addicted to the sugar than the cocaine that's incredible yeah it's a research study i don't remember the name but it's out there and i, I uh, that tells a lot about sugar is highly addictive and it also, it's inflammatory. It, it pr produces inflammation in the organs, the skin, premature wrinkles, uh, it slows you down. It's, it's a negative prana, you know, in, in the yoga world, we call prana the life force, the energy. So sugar is one of the negative prana sources of food. It's zero nutrients and it brings your energy down. So, so I it that's the first thing you tell clients early. to change, right? Yeah, I'm a pain in the neck, yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody argues with me about the sugar, but I try not to argue, right? It's just my personal. But it should be the first thing to go if it's truly addictive, as, as addictive as we believe it to be. So it should be eliminated first because that would be the thing that affects them probably the most subconsciously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sugar is, is, is terrible. And of course, it's refined. You, you know, white sugar is refined, it's, it's bleached in factories so it has zero nutrients and is very damaging to your mind it makes you hyper and depressed because it's an upper and a downer yeah well i know from personal experience um in 2011 actually 2010 um my fat ass was up to about 250 pounds um and i decided i actually watched this really cool uh, video on youtube called sugar the bitter truth by Dr. Robert Lustig. Um, and basically he said, sugar is the reason why we have the obesity epidemic that we have. So just as an experiment, because I had tried a few other diets being vegan, vegetarian, all that stuff, it really didn't help. Um, so I, uh, I decided to, to just cut out sugar for a year and I lost, you know, 60 pounds right away. I mean, it, it, it wasn't, you know, long after that, that I was like, yeah, okay, sugar's terrible for you. Like, so I 100% agree about that. Um, it, you know, just cutting out sugar, I was still eating whatever else I wanted to at the time, pasta, um, you know, but I, I wasn't eating anything with added sugar, um, nothing with refined sugar in it. Um, and it made a huge difference in the way I felt and certainly the way uh, that my health was. I mean, I went from being obese to normal. Um, I need to get back off sugar right now. Actually, I've been <laughs> doing some cheats here lately and it's showing. It's hard. It's very hard. Yeah. And you know what, Chris? Hard. I think also we should evolve also. We are evolving, right? Constantly. But keep keeping in mind that we have to eat for what your body needs. Like yeah. what, what does this body need right now, right? We eat for socially, community, we eat when we are not hungry, we overeat, we, we put things in our mouth that we don't need. Instead of pausing a little and say, what does my body need right now, right? And also be an informed consumer, right? Like a lot of these industries, like the drug industry, right? Tobacco, alcohol, sugar, they are for the millions. They are not for people's nutrition or benefit. That's right. It's it's whoever discovered the combination of sugar and fat was a genius because that's what triggers the dopamine effect on the brain and is so addictive. It should be illegal. Is that where corn syrup comes in? Because that's where everything. It's never even syrup anymore. If you read your packages, it's all corn syrup. It's, I mean, like if you find something with yeah. actual real sugar in it, that's actually ends up being better for you than some of the other refined stuff and i'm actually yeah curious. there's over 60 names for sugar right now you've got sucralose you've got 
corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, fructose. I mean, there's like hundreds of names. And so whenever you go and you get a package off the shelf at the grocery store, nine times out of 10, it's going to have added sugar in it. So you really need to stick to your produce aisle, your meat aisle. Uh, and that's pretty much it. I mean, that's in my opinion, support that's local, what you need to stick to. But support your local farmers. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your farmers, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those companies know what they're doing. Uh, they, they know exactly what they're putting in those packages. Oh yeah. And the funny thing is, is like, you know, they, they, the whole like thing about eat low fat, you know, that was a huge thing in the seventies, eighties, nineties, they succeeded. They took fat out of everything and they loaded it full of sugar and were fatter than ever. So, you know, certainly the whole low fat thing didn't work. Um, and we just want to say it's because we drive in our to... cars and we're Europeans walk everywhere. It's like, no, it's the damn sugar. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely the sugar. Probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's a mixture of both for sure. Recycling, Andy. We're cycling. Oh. <laughs> Renee's cycling right now. That's um, <laughs> hey, Renee, uh, where in Netherlands do you live? It's uh, the southern, uh, more south in the Netherlands. It's called a city called Eindhoven. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be doing a webinar with a friend in Netherlands uh, next Saturday. Nice. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I have to visit. You have to visit. Well, invite her, Renee. Come on, don't be a jerk. <laughs> invite her over. You're welcome. For uh, strudel. <laughs> strudel. What the? <laughs> I don't know what you guys eat there. I'm have a truffle with my family. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, so I'm, I'm. I want to talk just a little bit more about your like Eastern philosophy and uh, like how you got into that whole thing, because yeah. you were obviously, I believe you were born in Mexico. So you're, you're, you know, certainly a person that's a product of the Western civilization, uh, but you've kind of transferred over into more of like an Eastern philosophy. Um, would you say that that like has affected, I, I imagine you're Catholic by uh, proxy, right? You're Catholic by culture. Um would you say that your your worldviews now um, have challenged that thought process, or you know, give us a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, yeah. I was born in Mexico City. Um, my family is from Spain. Everybody, my grandparents, parents. I lived in Spain six years, um, and Mexico, and then the United States. I've been here for twenty years almost, and the the way I found. Uh, yoga and a curiosity for Eastern philosophies. Actually, since I was very small, very little, I came across some books and readings about, uh, you know, the third eye and yoga and meditation. And it was so weird to me, you know, it was like probably 1980s. And I just got my curiosity. I was, I was a very profound, very deep child. You know, I was always that child questioning, where do we come from? And where do we go after <laughs> that? Yeah, and, and yeah. my parents were, didn't know how to deal with me pretty much, right? So I read a lot. And then I put it aside for many years, uh, graduating in Mexico from law school. And then I came here, uh, got a master's in international law. So I worked at uh, litigation law firms doing international trade, international uh, law, consulting, uh, traveling to many countries. And I just got involved in that so much, the corporate world that I put all that aside, right? Mm -hmm. And then I went through a breakup and um, a change of jobs of careers. And I had, I was very happy with my career being a lawyer, but it was, I was not passionate about it, right? Like it was, uh, very interesting. Uh, it formed me very well to to think logically, to write very good English, right? I, I learned a lot here working in the U.S. And I loved uh, the challenge of working with people that are very competitive, very perfectionist, right? Very demanding clients, big corporations, all of that. But something was missing, right? And this uh, relationship, when it ended, it was a little bit of a catalyst to make me think, okay, this is a good time to make a pause. What do I want the next 30, 40 years of my life, right? Uh, I was in my mid-30s, I believe. And I saw myself in an office, uh, sitting all day in front of a computer. That's all I was doing. 
drafting pleadings, doing research. Very interesting, but not enough, right? It was like, and, and I think we all have that feeling, right? There's something that is missing. So I decided to take a sabbatical and I quit my job. Of course, some things didn't happen in the legal field for me. So that also made me think, right? Maybe I'm pushing it too much and maybe my destiny is not this way. Maybe it's some other way. So I explored and I started taking yoga classes with an incredible yoga teacher. Uh, she's uh, Sherry Cherokee. Uh, she lives here in Dallas, but she is a true yogini, right? Yogini is how we call female yogis. And she embodies really the, the yoga philosophy, right? Like nonviolence, work on yourself, uh, be mindful, aware of what you eat, what you say, what you think. So she really helped me explore that path. Uh, and I kept just studying yoga. Then yoga took me to Ayurveda and I kept studying it. So I really, and then I remember, you know, I remember liking this so much when I was young. And now I had the opportunity to really get into it. That's awesome. Yeah. And are you are you coaching those classes there locally? Are are you giving uh, training or whatever you want to call that uh, one on ones or classes group group stuff um, at all uh, anywhere in Dallas? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I have a company it's called Inner Wellbeing. You can find me at innerwellbeing.com. And uh, and that's like inner hyphen well-being, or is it inner well hyphen being? It's inner hyphen well-being altogether.com. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And I teach uh, yoga at a recreation center in Uptown every Thursday and Saturday morning. And uh, I teach for a corporation, Heritage Auctions, as a large international corporation. And I teach for their staff once a week, uh, meditation and yoga. So that's all I'm doing for now because I'm so busy with school and work full time. So that's that's all. But yeah, and I also do Ayurveda consultations online or one-on-one, -on -one, and I'm a coach, right? Like lifestyle coach. What does that look like? You're because we've actually had another guy on here before, David Lunsford, who's also a life coach. He just went through some training uh, to do that. But um, but what does that look like? You you get a client and you kind of give them an advice on how to live a better life, or or maybe like on diet. What what does that look like for you? Yeah. Uh, if somebody comes to me with whatever issue, uh, what I do is my lifestyle coaching is, is based on yoga principles, yoga philosophy, and Ayurveda, right? Yoga and Ayurveda are two branches of the same uh, Vedic principles, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, the Vedas are the ancient scriptures for spiritual practices. So from there, a lot of the yoga branches, schools, philosophies derived. So it's a whole world of life coaching. That's what it is. Yoga is a personal system for personal growth. It's techniques to explore your consciousness. So it has a very spiritual side of it. So combining it with Ayurveda, if somebody comes to me, let's say with anxiety, right? Or stress. And we have diagnosis tools in Ayurveda. We do a questionnaire. We ask, ask questions, specific questions to determine the body constitution. Uh, there are three different body constitutions in Ayurveda that people can have. And then- Like your BMI, your height, your weight. Yeah, it, it, it has to do with a lot of things, right? It's a long questionnaire. Okay. Sometimes it takes an hour to go through it. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I, it can be a short version or a long version, but the long version is more accurate. And uh, yeah, you can be, uh, um, you can have uh, different body types constitutions. And then through there, I can say, okay, well, I'm going to prescribe these herbs, uh, these uh, lifestyle changes, maybe stop eating sugar, do meditation. Sure. Uh, when you say herbs, you mean like herbs for consumption or herbs for like, because I've, I've seen, you know, some of those Eastern things where they like burn sage and stuff. Like, is it is it for consumption or is it for uh, like like um, incense or for, or... for consumption. Yeah. For consumption. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. There is a lot of uh, the Himalayan company, Himalayan company, and also Banyan botanicals. They are the first two distributors, producers of herbs, and they have patented mixtures of herbs that are medicinal based on Ayurveda. 
So okay. yeah, for example, there's one that is called um, ashwagandha, very good for women, for the reproductive system, shatavari. And this is all 100% natural derived from trees and plants and seeds. And sometimes they combine some, some herbs for specific, specific uh, illnesses. Do you make a tea with it or do you just like, uh, is it in a pill form? It's How can people typically in a pill form, you know, it's easier, gotcha. but you can also have teas. Yeah, definitely. Okay. You can have turmeric tea, mint tea, all of that. Is... I love turmeric. Yeah. So yeah. what I'm curious about is, is, is science doing anything with it? With Ayurveda? Yeah. Uh, well, yes, this is, this is what's happening. When Ayurveda started 5,000 years ago or so, they didn't have any scientific methods for, no, of course, yeah. for proving that these herbs work. But these uh, Ayurvedic pr practitioners, we call them, and sages and uh, uh, spiritual healers or teachers, right? They were the doctors of that time and they were so involved with their consciousness, right? Consciousness is an entire subject in itself, but they were so in touch with themselves and how the body works, their consciousness and meditation, that they understood that these herbs, everything comes from the earth. It's like Native Americans, you know, they had medicinal herbs through nature. Yeah. Everything is provided to us through nature. I think everybody can agree on that, right? Uh, yep. And you can have a much better quality of life if you understand where to get those herbs, how to combine them and how to ingest them and how, at what time and what combinations, right? Even food, how you, how you combine food, it also has an impact on your digestion. And so to get to your question, uh, Rene, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so we worked with Ayurveda for many centuries based on the Vedic knowledge, the Ayurvedic knowledge of these people doing it and people were getting better right? Uh, yeah, but now, error, yeah, and now that we are bringing Ayurveda to the West, people have been trying to confirm it scientifically. So there are some studies there. I actually have a binder that I keep with all the studies in the Western world about yoga, the benefits of yoga, meditation, and Ayurveda. And there are, there are a lot of scientific journals on Ayurveda that tell you all of that, like, this is scientifically proven or we are not sure, you know, some things we are not sure. It's not like well, everything is magical. Right. But sure. Okay. So here's what I need. Yeah. All right. So I'm, you know, looking to get into yoga. Tell me how to do uh one, one pose that can help me like ease my anxiety or something like what, what's a pose I can do or what's a, you know, so give, give me a pose I can try right now on the air, see if I can do it and see if it actually does anything for me. What can oh, I do? This will yeah. be good. Right. Yeah. Well, Chris, let me tell you the secret yeah. of yoga for stress or anxiety is breathing. You know, Okay. As simple as breathing. So you can actually be sit, sitting in a chair. Oh, okay. yeah. This is well, kind of a larger guy, gonna... so breathing is a little harder <laughs> for him. <laughs> it's my, it's my, yeah, my sleep apnea. No, so, I, I okay, so. some poses in a minute, but the, okay. the key of yoga is breathing, right? Like the yoga okay. that I teach is Hatha yoga, and that's one of the traditional systems of yoga, Hatha yoga. It's, it's, it's similar to Ashtanga yoga. Ashtanga is, I don't know if you guys are familiar, the sun salutations. Okay, so no. uh, Hatha yoga prepares the body for meditation. So okay. it calms the nervous system, it's very gentle. Uh, so it's all about breathing and calming the mind, right? Okay. So one of the poses you can do is uh, simply, uh, do you wanna do one right now? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to. And in fact, if, if you're not driving your car right now and you're listening to this, let's do it. Everyone, everyone do this pose. And for and listeners, these, Chris these has completely exercises. moved his chair and his microphone. He is ready. Yeah. Claudia, let's do this. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. That's a little difficult on a, on a webinar, but okay. So <laughs> let's say you are uh, standing. I think Chris wants to stand yep. up. Okay. So I'm going to do this too. Let's do it. 
Let's do it. <laughs> so just raise your arms and inhale as you raise your arms. Touch your palms and exhale and bring your arms down to the sides of your legs. And try to count to four as you inhale internally. One, two, three, four. Touch your palms and exhale in four. One, two, three, four. Inhale. Should I be inhaling through my mouth or my nose? Inhale through your nose and exhale through your mouth. Okay. Yeah. Or you can exhale through your nose too, but I like it through the mouth initially. Inhale. Good. And touch your palms and exhale, arms down. One more time. Inhale, lift your arms, touch your palms and exhale down. So you concentrate on doing it slowly. One more time. Inhale, one, two, three, four, touch your palms and exhale through the mouth. One, two, three, four. Yeah. So. Holy shit, I'm calm. No. <laughs> I'm serious. I think I, I just smoked a yoga joint. <laughs> that actually i mean that was nice i'm not gonna lie i really like it's that. very simple but yeah the secret is in the breathing of course every pose you know every pose in yoga bending forward standing up and going through the asana sun salutations you go into a plank and then you do chaturanga inhale arch the spine exhale and then you go downward dog these are very beneficial. Now I've heard of that one. <laughs> yeah. That's where the downward yeah. dog. Yeah. That's where the demons enter your butt, right? <laughs> you know, that's, hey, that, that's, that, a that's, a, that's a great joke. That's a Christian. That's a Christian joke. Yeah. For any that's person. a great oh. joke. I do want to ask you one last question about uh, yoga and then we'll wrap here. Um, yes. So my dad has extreme vertigo, extreme vertigo. Uh, he's oh. seen specialists uh, at universities and wherever, uh, specialists are for vertigo he's he's been to them all and yeah. the only thing that has helped him is yoga and he was he was the type of guy he was a, he he's a he's a christian guy so he kind of viewed it as like ah, it's, it's kind of woo woo stuff i'm not really into that i think that's eastern stuff that's not for me until he came he had an experience and his eardrum popped and he has vertigo for 10 years so do you see do you see, uh, especially in Dallas, I guess, too, is maybe more conservative area. I don't know. Do you see a lot of like ex-church people or even church-going people dabbling more in yoga? Like, I kind of had some preconceived notions about this, but I'm trying it now. Have you seen that? Great question. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of the things about yoga is that people think it's a religion. Right. So if people are very religious in their culturally uh, accepted religion, they don't want to even try yoga or anything that sounds like it because they think it goes against my religion. But it's a it's a system of philosophy. Right. It's a, it, it. You don't need to believe in anything, not necessarily to to do yoga and get the benefits. Right. It's a tool for personal growth and health. Uh, but yeah, I see a lot of people uh, that have left their faith for different reasons, disappointment, uh, growth, getting out of love with it, you name it, and turn to, to yoga because they find it more neutral, makes more sense, you know. And one of the things is that yoga doesn't... Don't have to believe in virgin birth. Yeah, yeah. And it does provide a sense of community too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. I also have seen uh, a lot of people turn into other religions, right? Like Buddhism, you know, Buddhism doesn't believe in any particular God or anything. They, Buddhism is just about you are God, everything you need is inside. And we know that Buddhism and Hinduism are derived also from two big branches from the same source. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, I think it's a, uh, whatever makes you a better human being. You know, we are here in this life to explore, to be happy, right? And get the best out of, of this life. So if your religion is not working for you, if you're curious, 
go explore, right? This life is to explore, to have many options. That's the beauty of having many options, right? Uh, I think all religions go to the same place, right? All religions. Yeah. And we try to make this big difference. My religion is better than your religion. And, and that's like an ego battle, right? But our religion is inside of us. That's, that's what our religion is, in my opinion, right? I like that. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's, nice. a, that's a great note to end on. I like that, too. I think so, too. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where, that's uh, nice. Again, where can people check you out, Claudia? It's uh, inner-wellbeing.com. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And do you have social media, Instagram or Facebook like that, where people can follow you or uh, whatever you're doing with your organization? Yes, I have a Facebook page, also Inner Wellbeing. Uh, I think it's slash C Carvajal, my last name. Uh, I have Instagram. Yeah. We'll definitely put that in the show notes for sure. Thank you. Yeah. So if you're looking for a life coach or you want, uh, you know, more information about yoga, I'm telling you, whatever she had me do, what was that called again? The the breathing with the palms? Uh, it's just a breathing exercise. Yeah. 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 We used to do that. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> Did you really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Except we, 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 uh, we would well, snap. Well, because you're from California. You guys do all sorts of weird, uh, I'm sure, Eastern stuff over there. Yeah. You, you, you crazy liberals. We do the most Eastern stuff <laughs> in the westernmost state. Yes, we do. There you go. There you go. Uh, Claudia, we really thank you for your time. Um, it's been a pleasure. We've, we've definitely gotten education on a lot of these things and, uh, you've just been awesome. So really appreciate you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everybody. It was great to be with you. Very nice to meet you. Yes. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey everybody. I'm Meredith and I'm part of the fade to great Patreon and I've got some great news for you. Are you paying too much for your auto, home, life, or small business insurance without having your own agent you can trust to advise you correctly? Insurance agent Chad Johnson has multiple companies to offer these products and is licensed in Missouri, Illinois, Oklahoma, Kansas, Arkansas, and Iowa. Call or text message him at 417-421-2925 for a no obligation quote on any of your insurance needs. Again, that's call or text message 417-421-2925. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.